0: Good evening. Today is Tuesday, October 31st, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter story is in the appendix, Spiritual Experience, and tonight, Felina will be
1: speaking. Thank you, Felina. Thank you, Betty. Good evening, everybody. My name is Felina, and I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. And I thank my higher power, who I call God, um, for my abstinence today on this Halloween. Yeah, (laughs) what a a privilege to get to be here and not to be binging my brains out on this holiday. Um, So I want to start with the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always and always. Thank you. Um, Before getting into the reading, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about what it was like and getting some of the numbers out of the way. I came into Overeaters Anonymous in region nine of our worldwide fellowship uh, in Greece in uh, 2009. And I was given the gift of abstinence on March 19th, 2009. I have been um, abstinent from my bottom line of no recreational sugar since then. I, uh, in terms of my body size, Um, I'm saying this because there might be people who are listening to the podcast or here in person. Um, I'm physically down about 50 pounds or so from my top weight. Uh, not all of that was in OA. Um, but those are some of the numbers I have worked the 12 steps many times. I have a sponsor. My sponsor knows that she's my sponsor. (laughs) My sponsor has a sponsor. I sponsor I have given service at uh, the meeting level, the intergroup level, the region level, the world level. Um, I've served as um, delegate uh, co-chair at um, World Service Business Conference uh, for a committee. Um, and I am currently uh, I am currently serving as the treasurer of the Unity with Diversity Desert Intergroup in Palm Springs, California. If you are ever in Palm Springs, come, please give me a call. Uh, We would love to see you at an in-person meeting. We're privileged to have two of them. And I know that not everybody has that privilege who may be listening to the podcast or who is uh, here on Zoom. Uh, What it was like was uh, I was raised in a home with a tremendous amount of intergenerational trauma. And um, I'm going to share my story this evening as well as how I reflect on the appendix to the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous about a spiritual experience. This is only my experience. It might not be yours. Um, And so I invite you to take what you like and leave the rest. So as I said, I was raised in a home with a tremendous amount of intergenerational trauma. Um, I was raised in a home where um, pretty much every form of neglect uh, or abuse or trauma that one could experience, um i experienced and i name that because for me and this is my story only for me food was the answer to a problem food was never my problem food was the only solution that i had in the absence of a loving higher power i learned at a very young age That people were not to be relied on, but that Ben and Jerry could always be relied on. And so the conception of God that I had before I came into Overeaters Anonymous was of the the sugariest, sweetest food that I could get my little precious hands on. That was my conception of God before I got to these rooms, because what that would do was alter my reality. What sugar would do for me. Is alter my reality. It would make me feel safe when I was scared. It would give me company when I was lonely. It would make me feel beautiful when I felt ugly, made me feel smart when I felt stupid. Sugar and food served as a fantastic higher power for a long time. I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous in my mid-30s. And for a lot of people, by that time, people have created families and they've had children and they've had careers. And because this addiction was my primary occupation, I didn't have the privilege of doing all of those things because I I was surviving and I was using the food to survive. So. I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, and what you told me was to find a conception of God that would solve my problem. I was not interested in your God. I was not interested in anybody's God. But what I heard from you was that the first thing that you turn to in difficulty is your higher power. And I already knew that I had a higher power because it was sugar. I was the person who, when I lived in Europe, I would come to the U S and I would fill my suitcase with American candy. And then when I lived in the U.S., I would fill my suitcases with American candy when I went to Europe. So I knew I had a higher power because that was the first thing that I turned to in difficulty always. I didn't turn to people. I didn't turn to prayer. I didn't turn to meditation. I turned to an inert substance. So I already knew that I had a higher power. My own conception of God involved a lot of chemicals and a lot of pretty colored packages. I love the color packages, right? In the United States on this holiday, there are children, little, big, and small, who are going bananas (laughs) over these colored packages that for me were like my best friends when I was a little kid. When I didn't have parents and friends and comfort to go to, those colored packages were the best experience of a higher power that I could have. They saved my life. I will never disparage my food addiction because it got me alive. It kept me alive until I could find my own conception that of a loving was
2: seven, Selena.
1: Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate you. So when I came here, you told me what to do. You told me to get clear about what my binge foods were, to put them down a day at a time, to go to meetings, to ask for help, to work the steps, to read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I did all those things, not because I was some super A perfect student, which I am, by the way, because I was going to die without you. That's why I did what you told me, because I was desperate, because all of my graduate degrees and all of my languages and all of my brilliance could not solve this problem. But when you threw this old book at me and you said, here, read this, what do I have to do with a bunch of Christian dudes from 100 years ago? I have nothing in common with these people, right? I don't, but I read their book because I was desperate. The appendix says, most of our quote, most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. So what did that change look like for me? It looked like being able to go to the movies and not having to binge my brains out. I remember at uh, at the end of a meeting when you know, I was very early on in the in, in the program, there was a fellow there who had talked about going to the movies and she was abstinent. She had the glow, you know, the glow that abstinent people have, you know what I'm talking about. And I grabbed her after the meeting and I said, how did you do that? And she said, "Oh, I, I went to the movies and I, I just didn't I just didn't eat snacks." And I sobbed. I sobbed because I couldn't imagine that was possible. But she told me what worked for her. And so my own conception of God was to do what you people told me had worked for you. And slowly I started to have. A spiritual experience, as described in that appendix, too. I was living in Greece, and it was uh, Easter. I got abstinent in March, and Easter is was in April, and Easter is the biggest holiday of the year in in uh, in Orthodox countries like Greece, and it was unfathomable that I could go to I could have an Easter celebration without eating sugar. What kind of celebration would you possibly have without eating sugar? And that very first holiday without eating sugar was a spiritual experience. Going to bed abstinent was a spiritual experience. There's a temptation. There's a temptation to... Try to embellish the miracles that have happened, because I'm being recorded, because I don't know most of you. And yet the real miracle is to know how it feels to wake up the day after a holiday, not wanting to blow my brains out. Can you identify with that? Can you raise your hand if you identify with that feeling, if anybody's ever had that feeling? Yeah. And if you're listening to the recording and you haven't had that feeling, please stick around because it's available here. That feeling is available here of not wanting to die. That feeling is available here. So, very slowly, as something started changing, And what started changing was what it says a little bit further down in the appendix two. It says, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a capital P power greater than themselves. So being able to go to a grocery store and to walk out, Without bags and boxes of sugary food is a spiritual experience. You want a burning bush? That's a burning bush for me. For me, that is an incredible spiritual experience. What is a spiritual experience for me is to be able to um, is to be of service to a family member who severely neglected me, abused me put me in an orphanage, to be able to forgive this person, to take care of this person while she was dying of cancer. That to me is a spiritual experience. To be able to give where I have not received is a spiritual experience for me. The consciousness of the presence of God, right? We call it, our more religious members, it says, call it God consciousness. That's what I call it. It says further down, he can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. So here's how I was intolerant and belligerently uh, denying life. People told me to do a food plan, and I said, well, I can't stick to a food plan, People told me to call them and I thought why on earth like why on earth would I call somebody why on earth you don't want to hear from me I certainly don't want to hear from you so why on earth would you want to hear from me picking up the phone picking up that thousand pound phone and I don't mean texting by the way because that doesn't count by the way when my sponsees are like oh yeah I I texted somebody I'm like that's sweet but that's not what I'm talking about because for me to have a spiritual experience For me to get out of my belligerent denial that I can be in charge of my life, I need to pick up the phone. I need to call Susan. I need to call Carla. I need to call Meredith and say, I'm in trouble. Can you help, Yvonne? Can you help, Matt? Can you help me, Amy? Can you help me, please? That is the kind of ego puncturing I have to go through. Sending a text doesn't cut it. For me, this is my spiritual experience. Maybe yours. your results may vary. I got a big ego, so I need a big spiritual experience. My belligerent denial was yep. six left. Thank you so much, Susan. Um, was in uh, not recognizing how intolerant I was, and I can still be incredibly intolerant. You know, we talk about um, our uh, Overeaters Anonymous has a policy of of unity with diversity and and really trying to be inclusive. And as somebody who was raised in a working poor family. I get very belligerent when I don't hear people talking about money in class, because it takes a lot of money to go buy healthy, abstinent, organic foods, by the way. It takes a lot of money. And if I am not aware of the impact that that language can have on other people, I might be causing harm. I might be causing a lot of harm, right? If somebody is getting food from a food bank and the best that they can do is eat the food at the food bank and I am judging them, because it's not what I define as healthy, because I can afford better food, I need to check some privilege. So I can be super, super intolerant, right? And what I get to do as a recovering abstinent member of Overeaters Anonymous is take my place among my fellows. So what it's like today is the last paragraph. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable this past year I have gone through I was attacked by a 70 pound dog and had to get through multiple stitches I moved out of the house that I was sharing with my fiance who was going through some serious mental illness issues I fell and broke my foot I've had um I am at that phase of life that those of us who are of the 50% of the population who get to go through certain changes are going through, I'm going through those changes as well. There's been all kinds of economic insecurity. So it's been a real challenging year. I just got noticed from my doctor yesterday that I can walk on my foot, which I haven't been able to do in a month, right? Talk about a spiritual experience for having a broken foot. Yeah, that's right. That's a total spiritual experience. And so What I have had to do is practice being willing, honest, and open-minded in different ways. That means maybe I can't get to my regular meetings because I'm utterly exhausted and and I don't have anybody to drive me around because I'm on crutches. Maybe it means I have to ask for help and literally let somebody come into my home and chop vegetables for me so I can have my abstinent meals, right? I had to say, I had to ask my sponsor who is 25 years, my senior, bless her heart, to come to my house to help me chop vegetables because I couldn't do it for myself. Willingness, honesty, open-mindedness. My honesty is I need help. I continue to need help. I'm willing to continue to ask for help and to continue to to give help. And open-mindedness means I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know why I had to break my foot and get bitten by a dog. It wasn't cool. Let me tell you, if you've ever been there, it was not cool in any way, shape or form. But I didn't have to binge my brains out. I didn't have to go and ransack the grocery store and the and the and the pharmacies that are filled with crap today. I didn't have to do that. That is a spiritual experience, y'all. That's a spiritual experience for me. What it's like today is when I'm asked to give service, if I am able to, I say yes. And if I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, I let folks know that as well. What it's like now, what what willingness means today is willingness to look at one more level of my obsessive self-reliance. I'm an only child who's never been married. There ain't nothing about self-reliance you can tell me. And yet, I am practicing willingness and my higher power is taking care of me a day at a time. That is a spiritual experience of being able to say, yes, I'm not going to cancel my doctor's appointment because I'm afraid that I'm not going to have the money to pay for those resources, but I'm going to call my sponsor and talk about it instead. I'm going to be willing to trust my own conception of a loving higher power that has given me resources of my words, of my health, of my physical strength to be able to take care of myself in ways that I didn't learn how to do as a young person. So if you are new or if you're struggling, I want to speak directly to you. If you're new or you're struggling or you've been around and you're struggling and you've heard this all a million times, I'm here for it. Is there one thing that you might consider doing differently? My conception of God requires that I do my part. My conception of God is God will do for me what I cannot do for myself, but I got to do what I can do. If I can't carry my backpack from my car into my office, I got to be willing to ask the guy who's standing outside having a cigarette if he would mind carrying it for me, which literally happened six hours ago today, by the way, right? I have to be willing to ask my higher power for help. That is my willingness My conception of God is a higher power that wants to co-create an abundant, beautiful, serene, abstinent life for me. And sometimes it feels like I got a a broken nose and I got to have psychic surgery so my nose gets rebroken so it can grow back straight. That isn't always fun. I know that's a pretty harsh metaphor, but that's how it feels. If you've been around a while, you know what I'm talking about. So I want to invite you, to reflect on. Is there one thing that you might, that thing that you haven't been willing to do? What's that one thing you haven't been willing to do? I see that Susan, I'll wrap up. What is that thing that you have not been willing to do? Is it to pick up that phone and call that annoying person in your meeting who's abstinent, but pisses you off? Is it to say yes? Cause you know, there's that person, right? You know, that person, is it that you're going to call somebody who you haven't seen in a while? Is it that you're going to turn off the podcast, press pause and actually start writing rather than waiting for something to happen passively. My prayer for you as my prayer is for me is that I'm willing to go to any lengths to recover because when I am, I can feel the consciousness of the presence of God. My phone number is available. I'm always grateful for outreach calls. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Felina. Beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter Spiritual Experience and Step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep this meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under Reactions, or Star 9 if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order, and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Thank you, Susan. We Okay. Um, it, I apologize. I was lo- not looking at the screen. I'm gonna call Susan first. Susan? Meredith, you Meredith is before me. Okay, thank you. Meredith, go for it, thank you.
3: Thank you, Betty, thank you, Felina. Um, yeah, that was so great. First of all, I laughed so hard when you were like, you threw the book at me, that's funny. Um, I love the way you reframed um, the spiritual experience. I did not even identify a Meredith uh, recovered, recovering compulsive overeater in Nashville, Tennessee um i love the way you reframed a spiritual experience and it's so true i i can look around these days at just about anything in gratitude and see beauty everywhere where i might not i i couldn't see it before i was too uh self-absorbed and angry um But, you know, talking about um, not binging on Halloween, I'm hiding out in my bedroom, actually, because I'm hiding from Mm -hmm. trick-or-treaters. Just this simple thing, you know, anything can be a spiritual experience, but um, not until I was abstinent, because I I couldn't see further than my nose, you know, before or whatever food was in front of me or I couldn't think about anything else except what I had just eaten, how sick I felt, how I was going to restrict to make up for it or eliminate it or, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, that was just like a a little turn of the dial that you did for me tonight. And um, I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm going to think about this question too. What is the one thing I'm not or I, that I haven't been willing to do? That's a great poser. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Meredith. Susan, I believe next. Okay, good. Thank, you.
2: thank, thank you so you. much. Setting the time. There we go. Hi, Susan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Well, this was a nice surprise. I'm not normally able to get on 5 p.m. Pacific meetings anymore. So nice to see you, Felina. And I have another friend here, so this is nice. Um, Spiritual experience. I love this. And so many people don't go back and read that footnote. I learned about footnotes a very long time ago from working in law firms And, you know, it starts to talk about on page 27 and on page 46, we start to hear about this and a lot of people skip by it. It's that fine print that nobody wants to read. And yet there's so much here because this is where, as you described, and these are my words, you've had an emotional rearrangement. God has rewired your heart. And it looks different for everybody. Mine wasn't the lights on the Las Vegas strip. It was the educational variety because I had to make sure and every little stone and everything else. But on, you know, if you are on 567, the word change appears many, many times. Um, I have them all circled and there are a lot. And then these words, like followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook that new pair of glasses that's described to us and really understanding that this is done to me, not by me. So it isn't about the right food plan. Should I change my absence? If I do this, if I stand on my head for five minutes, all these things that I used to do, it's about developing more and more this relationship with this god of my understanding. And it also says that I'm going to have a profound alteration in my reaction to life, which as our speaker described with some things that she's been going through, you know, it's so much easier to say, I'll do it, I'll do it. I don't need any help. I don't need any help. You know, I'll balance the crutch on my head and I'll cartwheel in something absolutely ridiculous. But again, having this profound alteration, it's like, thank you. I'd love it if you could hold the door open for me. Can you carry my backpack? And do it with grace and not like, what will they think of me? And feeling this and feeling that. And just accepting and being gracious and graceful and being able to give that back. Um, And again, and this was what kept me blocked for over a decade. Susan, you can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial belligerent denial. So I will stop there with 18 seconds to go and pass it on to the next person. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Susan, for sharing. And next is Nicole.
4: Nicole? Okay.
5: Ah, there we go. (laughs) Okay, perfect. So I just wanted to thank you so much, Felina, for speaking. So basically, for me, I kind of I was listening to what you were saying. And I think it's beautiful that your heart has changed in the ways that it has. I think that for me, I'm a newcomer. So I've actually only had a sponsor for about a week and a half now, two weeks. And I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to understand what God can do. But I've also realized that I have my own weaknesses as well and that it's been a real challenge for me you were talking about all the things that god can do the uh, plenitude that he can supply if we just do the work ourselves as well we have to give in order to take anything in and so i think for me what i took from that was that um I need to be willing to ask for help you were talking about you know being willing to ask for help and what is it that we could be doing that we're not doing I I'm always afraid of scaring people off or bothering people and I think for me I need to get to a point where I'm okay with picking up the phone when I'm having a hard food day I need to be okay with saying hey I'm thinking, oh, because I have this thing that's going on, I should be able to celebrate with some food or, hey, because it's a holiday, I should be able to eat. I had gone 11 days without sugar and I gave in and I ate sugar today, which I'm disappointed in, but I'm sure it's happened to everybody or if it hasn't, then they've at least had those complete urges to do so, you know? And so for me, I've realized I really need to be willing to ask for help. I need to be willing to pick up the phone and say thank you um, and see what others can do, what words of wisdom they can give me because everybody has a message in this community and that's what we're here for. We're here to benefit each other and be there for each other. So I just wanted to say that and I wanted to thank you, Felina.
0: Thank you so much, Nicole. We're so glad you're here. Please keep coming back. We are here for each other. That's why we're here. And Yvonne.
6: Everybody, Yvonne A, Compulsive Overeater, uh Felina, thank you so much uh, for that share. And yeah, it did, um, it reminded me of all the little things that it's so easy to take for granted um instead of thinking of them as spiritual experiences or as miracles that have happened. Because if a miracle isn't a spiritual experience, then I don't know what is. Um, and it's so easy. Yvonne, you're muted. Well, did you hear any of what I said? Yeah, okay. It's so easy to just take for granted those things that um, truly are part of our spiritual experiences. Um, And you talked about, you know, self-reliance. And yeah, I used to tell people I'm fiercely independent. I was proud of that. It was like, yeah, you know, like I would have rather, you know, died than ask somebody for help because that would have meant somehow that I was weak or incapable. Um, And so I love that reminder, too, that that is what binds us together. The fact that we all need a hand sometimes we need. Um, We don't need to struggle to get up off the ground, we can reach out our hand. And it's such a beautiful fellowship. Oh my gosh. Um, There are so many people available anytime I've reached my hand out. And there are people on this meeting and outside of this meeting, of course, that I have sat and sobbed. And sobbed and sobbed with because I didn't know how else to deal with those emotions. And that person was there and able to help. And sometimes that's all you need is just someone to hear you. Um, And so that's a miracle too, that there's people to hear, um, hear you all the time. Um, and I just loved, it sounded like kind of almost a vision statement that, you know, you're, you're co-creating an abundant and serene existence is my, my version of what you said. And I love that. I'm going to think about um, what that um, really is. And of course the last is, you know, I, I'm, it's easy to should all the time. I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, and, and yet it, it's absolutely useless and, 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 purposeless to do that Um, and so I love the reminder this is a a program that requires action change happens but not passively it happens when we take the action we can and there are a lot of things that we have no control over but there are a lot of things we do have control over as well so thank you for bringing all of those things to the forefront for me tonight I really appreciate it thank you for being here and I pass.
0: Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you so much for sharing. And Joe, you're up next. Please share with
7: us. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a uh, recovering compulsive overeater. I um, identify with so much of what you talked about. I, I also grew up in a place where I learned really early that I couldn't trust grownups. And I also, I don't think I would have ever labeled it that, but I also made I accepted food as my higher power because it made me feel warm and full and taken care of. And and it taught me that I can take care of myself. So, you know, it starts off a good thing and then it kind of turns on you. So when I when I'm abstinent and sane, I look back at that little girl and I think, oh, my God, she was resourceful and she was brave and she was fearless. And she did all these things. And when I'm in the food, I look back at that little girl and the way I am now and think you're fat, you're lazy, you're worthless, you're stupid, all the things that are negative. And the difference is where my heart is. You know, if my heart and my head are buried in 50 pounds of, you know, fatty food, or if my heart is in a meditation book or the big book or writing or a podcast or talking to my sponsor or talking to somebody on an outreach call. That is what makes all the difference in how I regard myself. And um, I just, one of the things that as I was learning as a little girl, one of the things I learned and then continued to teach myself all my life was shame and shame and food are inextricably intertwined for me. And, it's it's just such a revelation whenever I hear, and I've been in, OA, in and out of OA for a long, long time, and it's such a wonderful revelation and relief to hear somebody else say that, to hear somebody else express something that it would be really difficult for me to express to someone who doesn't share this, this disease. Um I'm so, so grateful for this meeting and so grateful that you're all here and especially the speaker. Thank you very much. I pass.
8: Hi, everyone. I'm Amy L. in California, Grateful Compulsive Eater. And um, Felina, thank you so much. I I really appreciated when you talked about food as as your higher power growing up and that it was there for you. It was safe. It was reliable. Nobody could take it away. And and I think that's, I totally relate to that. I, I also liked, and I've heard it many times in the rooms, that that which we turn to in our moment of need is our higher power. And you know, it's funny reflecting on Halloween. I this morning I got up and I took out lots of candies and I put them in a bowl to get ready for the trick or treaters. And I have absolutely no, no emotional connection to that candy at all. And you know, a, f- a fat flashback twenty two years. It was Halloween and I had a baby, and I. Thought I was going to have one piece of chocolate, and then I had two, and then I ate three, and then I ate so much chocolate that I could not nurse my baby. And I remember, like, that was horrifying to me. It was uh, so shameful. And so, you know, food had become something that once gave me comfort, but it became something that it was like a wall that cut me off from people I love most. And that's the pain of addiction. You know, we, we go to that substance for connection and we end up totally disconnected. And I learned in these rooms, a woman told me long ago, this is a we program. We are not meant to walk through these things alone. And to me, that was a godshot because I never knew that. I never trusted that. And I've learned that, you know, bit by bit over the years in these rooms. And for me, that being willing to do something I'd never been willing to do before was that night when I became abstinent, and it was like that door slammed shut. Like it was not an option. You know, when we take when we come to believe a power greater than ourselves, when we choose to believe, it was not an option. And I wanted to eat. And all I could do is run out of my house, into the car, pick up the phone and cry. And thank God somebody was there. She prayed with me. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But that's a spiritual experience that you know, we straight, I didn't even know that woman, but she was there for me. And that's a miracle, and you know, um, so many miracles. And thank you, Felina, when you you shared so many miracles beyond. Fine, Amy. The sugar, giving up the sugar. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Amy. Thank you for sharing.
4: And Lisa. Hi, Go Lisa. Lisa. Compulsive, over, Lisa, compulsive overeater. Felina. Uh, in '88, I got into OA in Palm Springs, California. I worked at Desert Regional. That's where my daughter was born. So you're reminding me um, that's where I got a higher power. <clears throat> I came in the ribs and I thought they had, you know, the big sign with all the steps. And I said, oh, my God, two and three have the G word. What am I going to do? And I just cried meeting after meeting, partly because I was home, but partly because, oh, man, if you can't get past two and three, how am I going to get to twelve? And so my, there's a lot of LA juju in uh, Palm Springs cause LA people, you know, come to Palm Springs. So my sponsor was, um, she was this like chubby Jewish bubby lady. And um, she kind of was like Roseanne, but not as short. She was short, but not as short as Roseanne. And um, I I can't even explain the stuff that she had me do <laughs> to get a higher power. I. You know, all my sponsees so far have had higher powers, thank God. But, you know, I'm here to tell you that I thought that people that believed in a higher power were weak-willed and spineless, and it was a crutch. And somewhere along the way, I got the message that you don't bother God. He's very busy unless there's a gun to your head. I have no... That was never said to me. Just like being fat was not okay, was never said to me. But boy, the, you know, the nonverbals were great. So... Um, Before I knew it, I had a higher power. And I'm here to tell you, if it's a crutch, I want that crutch. I want one under each armpit, thinking of your broken, broken foot. Um, Palm spring. I mean, I lived there a dozen years. That is where I got recovery. And we had to go to AA too, because all there was back then was the big book and the for today. And um, I think the chocolate book came out, I'm not sure. And then um, I heard some great stuff in the AA meetings, we just had to supplement, there was nothing else, really, you know, and um, one thing I really, gosh, this is the gratitude, man, I can't even, I don't know, I think like I needed to come here tonight and be reminded how, how long I've been here and how much I've, not gotten. And this time around, you know, I mean, like being recovered is different for me than being recovering. And I used to think that you guys that said you were recovered were like these cocky sort of Stepford wives, you know, you're all like looked happy. I didn't understand. And so anyway, get it Stepford wives, the steps anyway. So um, thanks, Lena. Thanks a lot. That's all. Uh, Thank you, Lisa. And Meredith,
3: please share. I figured nobody else was in line, so I could double dip. Um, And I totally forgot to say my first time around that um, in your spiritual experiences, the thread to me was you were in service. You know, you were taking care of that relative like that is a miracle um you were in service to others and that's i mean mainly and that's where your spiritual experiences happened um and also when you talked about it being un, unfathomable that you could you know have, celebrate or whatever endure a halloween night without having candy or uh going to a party without having you know any number of examples um i i don't want to forget how scary that is to a person to how how scary it used to be to me um that's all, that was all I've ever known. And yeah, that's where the, like the connection to God, I mean, has to come. It's just a miracle. Otherwise, yeah, it couldn't happen. It could not happen for me. Um, until I could like jump and have faith that the net would be there. Um, anyway, thanks again, Felina. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Meredith. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to step in for, uh, we have two minutes left. Is